Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. And welcome back. This is the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Tim Torch at UTHDynasty.com. No, wait. I am actually the co-host tonight. Someone else want to take it from here? Yeah, I'm Ryan Livergood at Roto Librarian on Twitter. And I'm Trey Barrett at Trey Barrett on Twitter. Captain Originality. <laughs> <laughs> and to what up that, this is Will Greenwood. It's Fantasy Joe underscore Will in the house. We got we got Tim Torch on the show with us, everybody. It's it's we've had Tim on before. We had a blast last time. We're already having a blast. We we we're talking before the show. It's going to be a fun show, and you know why it's going to be fun, Tim? Because we're going to talk about your Cleveland Browns tonight. I love it. This is this is great. Uh, it it was a blast last time. I'm looking forward to it this time, and and it's it was funny right before the show started. Uh, we we were getting excited and, and talking about a specific topic, and it, it's one of those times you you figure it out the more you start podcasting. If anyone's just trying to get into podcasting, you'll learn this. Hit the record button as soon as you start. Literally, the second people jump on, that's when the record button should be hit. That way, you have all of it. There should be nothing that gets missed, and everything should be an outtake or or added in somehow. So. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we're, we're bringing the conversation that we started off air on air. And the beautiful thing about it, Tim, we were recording. So for our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash fantasy Joe's, they will get to hear all that in its, in its entirety. So, but what the topic that got us fired up and, and Trey, you were talking about us not talking about it because everyone else is, but, but we're a little bit fired up about it. And that's Le'Veon Bell and what happened with him this week. So Trey, you had some discussions on Twitter, and you have a maybe a unique take on it compared to some other people. Yeah, I just, you know, it's been very interesting to me. As soon as the news broke um, that Le'Veon Bell had turned down this uh, seemingly monstrous deal from the Steelers, everyone, it seemed like the hatred was quite real. I, I saw it on Twitter. I saw it in d- several league chats. Everybody was like, man, he's so greedy. What's he thinking? He's foolish to turn this money down. And, and, and to be completely honest, my first thought was there's really got to be more than meets the eye because this is, it's, it seemed like a really good offer. And, you know, in this day and age, you, you can't be fooled by the contracts that players are being given. You have to – it's all about the guaranteed money. The total amount of the contract is meaningless, 100% meaningless. You've got to look at the details on what's guaranteed. And so I was super curious and had some conversations on Twitter stating that my position was that I felt like he made the right decision uh, based on the fact that I suspected that the guaranteed money was going to be uh, not perfect and not, not really what he was looking for. When the detail finally came out, Ian Rappaport, I think is the one that I saw break it, that the only money in this, what was it, $70 million deal that he was offered by the Steelers? only money that was guaranteed was the $10 million signing bonus. So basically after one year, they could have cut him with, with, with no cost. Le'Veon Bell would have been owed no more money. And so instead now he's playing for $14.5 million. And then next year he's going to be a free agent and be able to go out. And I believe, I know that everybody in the dynasty world, I think this presents a dynasty buying window for Lev Bell. 
because he, next year in the off season, he's going to have the opportunity. There's a lot of teams that are going to have 40 to $60 million in cap space next year. He's only going to be 27 years old. He's not, the guy's not dead. And I think that he's going to have a real opportunity to go to another team. And I think someone's going to be willing to pay him. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like Jarek McKinnon's getting $12 million this year, guaranteed. If someone's willing to – Jarek McKinnon's never had 1,000 yards rushing. Lev Bell's the best running back in the NFL as far as the, a weapon, or at least one of the. So I, I, I think he made the right decision, and um, I, I think that it'll be really interesting to see what he, what he does next offseason. Hey, Will, you're really passionate about this topic too. Well, I just I, – I hate tags. I hate that these exist in the NFL. I hate that they have all the rules that can keep a player in place and play for a team that even if they, if they want to play for them, that a team can take advantage of something like this. It kills me that Lev Bell can't go out there. get guaranteed money for his services. Dude's a a stud. He's the best running back in the NFL. He should be paid so much more and have so much more guaranteed money. He should be able to go out and shop that market. And it really does bother me uh, when you look at the NFL as a whole and what they're doing to guys like, especially, I think this is a prime example. Another one is Alex Collins. Alex Collins had to resign for like, what, like 650K or like 800K to the Ravens because he was uh, an exclusive rights restricted free agent. What is that? That is, I mean, in, in the nicest way possible, that is terrible. That is such BS. I mean, I just can't imagine that working in any other industry than the NFL. And then the NFL players, these NBA players get paid more and more and more. And that's more of a free market and players are allowed to leave. But the, they get benefits if they stay with the team that can sign a bigger contract. And I really like that aspect of it. But I think the NFL is just ridiculous when it comes to these types of things. And then again, for the Steelers to release something, to say that, to put the big numbers out there, to try to defame Le'Veon Bell, that bothers me so very, very much about what they're doing. And honestly, like, it, it, what's he supposed to do? He is, he's so hamstringed by what the NFL rules are. He can't leave. Uh, he either has to work for them and get paid and still do his best so he can sign a bigger contract next year, or he can hold out. And if he held out, I wouldn't blame him one bit. Whew, we're bringing the heat tonight, Tim. i tell you what. Um, I, I can't – I think you guys – I don't have anything to add. That's that's great. Um, <laughs> that's really great. I do, I do, another example of Alex – Alex Collins should be making millions of dollars this coming year with what he did at the end of last season. He should have been able to sign wherever he wanted with, with the results he put out there on the field. And instead, uh, the NFL has a rule with an exclusive rights free agent, which how many people even knew about that, you know about that. And, and now he's, he, he's going to make pennies. What if not he all of a sudden tears Patel or tendon? He, so for all of his work – an effort that he gave to that team. If he tears Patel or Tendon this year, he's done. And no team's going to resign him for more money next year. All right. All right. Quick question. How, and you guys don't get to look it up. How many seasons has Lev Bell played a full 16 games? I think he's played a full 16 game, two seasons. Okay. Anyone feel any different? I'm just going to go one. Cause you're asking. <laughs> I think, I think it's one. He has played a full 16 game slate one time. And that was in 2014. So I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I guess the first thing, anyone listening to this and your kid is, is athletic and has fluid hips and is fast enough, tell him to play free safety <laughs> because paying running back doesn't pay. And, and look, at the, look at the guys that, that have made that transition. Jabril Peppers was a guy that was a running back prospect that they moved to safety. Uh, he refused to play. Sean Taylor, if I remember correctly, was also another guy who didn't pl- didn't want to play running back. And R.I.P. Sean Taylor, but he he is another guy that just refused to play the position. I, I don't disagree with 
with players getting paid, what I will say is big picture for Love Bell. This actually makes sense for something that that I've been thinking with him. He's had um, a pretty significant injury history. He he is productive when he's on the field. So so that's definitely the part that I have no disagreement with. Very productive when he's on the field. Injury history, uh, questionable um, crew that he hangs out with. He's been popped for, oh gosh, I, I want to say he was popped for um, in the drug program. I could be wrong. I know someone's going to blow me up on Twitter for saying that. I know he had a suspension related to that at one point in time. Uh, look, I, as far as side gigs, he actually hangs out with Snoop Dogg. So, so that also makes me wonder uh, how likely he is to get, to get popped again for any type of drug-related things. And he's, he's actually come out and said he's looking forward to his career after football because he's very into the, the rap scene. So I, I will say just in terms of Love Bell specifically, I have my concerns with him. Um, and just the running back position as a whole. If I were running a franchise, I'd rather have a guy on a rookie contract just because it, it, it just, this is the most violent position in the NFL. Um, Offensive line or defensive line, you could also make that argument, but you are submitting your, your body for these bell cow guys to a car crash. What for Le'Veon Bell, he had, Four, over 400 touches last year, so so probably close to 500 car wrecks on his body every time he touches the ball. That's just crazy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think for ownership for, for NFL teams, no doubt the system works really well. I was going to talk about, and this is definitely less sexy to talk about, but I was thinking about Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Tank Lawrence with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, defensive end. And he's coming out this year, a career year, 14 and a half sacks. But if you look at the baggage he brings to the team, two back surgeries, one suspension for violating the league substance abuse policy, and he has seasons where he did nothing, zero sacks, eight sacks, one sacks. Um, so for the Cowboys, it makes sense to apply the franchise tag onto Demarcus Lawrence. And, uh, and he's going to make some money too. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I, I think the system, and, and the players negotiated this, but it's just not fair that a guy like Le'Veon Bell hasn't made more in his career. And I know people are listening like, what are you talking about? He's made millions of dollars. I, I, I would kill to love on Bell. But if you look at the economics of NFL football, how much the owners are making versus what the players make, how much value those NFL players bring to those NFL franchises, the league is nothing without these players. It's nothing. And, and you know, t- time and time again, you know, ownership will just, you know, in a sense, use these players. I know they make a lot of money, but at the same time, they – they pay for it. They pay for it, the toll on their body, the tolls on their brain. So I think that's all we're saying. I, th- I think obviously from a business point of view, the Pittsburgh Steelers are making the right move here. And for Le'Veon Bell, he's making the right move for, for his, from his business perspective. But uh, it's, just, it's just unfortunate. My big thing is just the free market of it. Even, even rookie contracts of guys that are drafted after the first round, man, like Alvin Kamara four year, or, you know, three years from now, is, is he going to touch a million dollars as a third-round pick? I mean, it's just, it's going to be ridiculous in what these guys are putting their bodies through. My opinion is just like the, you should be able to go out into the market and test what's there for a team to have exclusive rights to you with the fran- something like the franchise tag, even Demarcus Lawrence. Like I know he has, so, you know, his past isn't great, but let him go test the market and then see if you can still resign him. I don't, the, the retention of a player, like just cause you drafted a player doesn't mean you own them. That's ridiculous to me. Like you just, I, 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 I don't mean to get like so animated about it, but I do a little bit because it's, it's, 
you're talking about people's careers and lives and you're messing around with this based on a draft position, maybe a faulty like scouting report or maybe some injury history got leaked. Like think about like Jay Ajayi and his knee. He's never been able to, he may never be able to capitalize on that, even though he's had no injury history in the NFL so far uh, because a report came out when he was in the draft and he fell super far. Uh, the other one uh, that I wanted to bring up to him was uh, Vita Vea this year, the defensive lineman for Washington. He is a, so he came from a really rough situation in life and he actually made the choice. I can't remember what year it was, but there's an article written about him where he decided to, to switch from running back to defensive line because he looked at the career direct trajectory of it. It was like, being a running back is not wise because I want to be able to provide for my family. I want to get us right. change what our situation is. And I want everything to be better for my family in the long term. And he looked at their career, the career path. And so his defensive lineman lasts a lot longer than the NFL. I want to give you guys a couple. This is, this illustrates kind of the point. I think that the struggle for bell let bell's been in the NFL for five years and he's made less money than Ezekiel Elliott. who has been in the league for two. And I, and I think that kind of illustrates the other thing is Le'Veon Bell set to make less money this year by about 6 million than one Blake Bortles. So, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> when you look at the, I think that the whole, the, the contracts and the way that the players are paid and, you know, I, there's definitely – I think that the Players Association really has some ammunition when they go to the table to renegotiate, which I think is three years away. I think there's going to really be uh, an opportunity there. And, you know, you mentioned it, Tim, the running back position. Man, you know, parents don't let your kids grow up to be running backs. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, have them be a punter, for goodness sakes. Man. Backup quarterback. <laughs> Backup quarterback to Super Bowl MVP. Long snapper, anything. All right, guys, let's move on. Let's talk about something a little more fun, lighthearted, something that's do a lot of good, and that's Scott Fishbowl. Scott Fishbowl 8, it's wrapping up, raising a lot of money for Fantasy Cares. Um, if you haven't heard, we're doing something called the Fantasy Joe's Bowl 1, and it's $10 to enter, and the grand prize is a spot in Scott Fishbowl 9, thanks uh, to Scott Fish. Uh, so, so sign up if you haven't. Trey, how much money have we raised for Fantasy Cares with uh, Fantasy Joe's Bowl One? So, so far, so far we've raised four hundred dollars, and it's already been contributed to Fantasy Cares. So, um, I the, the the way the league's set up right now. Um, shout out to MFL for donating a free deluxe league for us. Shout out to NFL Draft Talker uh, Jake Anderson at NFL Draft Talker who designed a logo for us for free. And, um, and then shout out to the, you know, fantasy addict support group we have on GroupMe that's done a, about half of the filling of the league and, and really gotten word out and invited friends and Twitter. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. Right now it's set up for 60 people. So five, 12 men divisions. We're 11 spots away from filling that fifth division and that'll put us at $500 contributed to fantasy cares. And um, I'm, I'm super excited. I think it's an incredible thing that Scott does to be able to, to pitch in and help coordinate, you know, contributing a little bit of extra money to that Toys for Tots. Um, I mean, it's it's incredible what he does. I've told so many people that are not they, – they're not plugged into fantasy football whatsoever, and I'm just bragged on Scott. I'm like, man, there's this guy that spends – I can't even imagine the hours that he spends putting this thing together. And for one guy to be able to raise – I mean, he's only been doing it, I think, for four or five years. Um, and to be able to raise over $30,000 for a charity is incredible. Awesome. No, I know Scott Fishbowl has been going on for eight, but I don't know that he's been doing um, fantasy cares that whole time. Maybe he has, but even then, even over eight years, I mean, that's just remarkable. I think it speaks volumes, not just about Scott, but about the entire dynasty community, fantasy community. It started with 
uh, Jeff Miller over at DLF. Uh, in 2015, they raised $1,500. 2016, they raised just over $6,000. In 2017, they raised $15,000. And uh, in 2018, their goal was to hit $22,000. Right now, so we're sitting at July 18th, 2018, 10.41 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we have $36,939.20. Nice. I wouldn't be surprised if that number is over $40,000 to Fantasy Cares by the time this is all said and done this year. How does that sense get in there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this side note. But no, it's a, you, you have a chance with the Fantasy. I mean, it's awesome that we get to promote this and that they – you know, that, that MFL gave us this free league and that Trey, you've done so much with this and it's been incredible. And Ron, I've been kind of absent in, in promoting and doing all this, but you get, you, you just donate $10. You don't, we wouldn't get any money from this. You donate $10 to fantasy cares. You get a chance to be basically in a satellite league for Scott Fishbowl nine. What more do you want from it? Like at worst, it's going to be super fun. It's going to be best ball. It's Scott Fishbowl scoring. So at least you can experience what it's like to be in one of those leagues. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just, these are all positive. I'm super stoked about this. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So speaking of uh, Scott Fishbowl, Tim, I, I pulled up your team on fantasyinsiders.com and I'm taking a look. How, how do you feel about your team? What, how did you feel about your Scott Fishbowl experience? How, and how many have you played in, uh, Tim? So this will be my, gosh, this is my third or fourth year. I started playing uh, when it was F, uh, SFB 360. Uh, that year I got third place, third overall. Wow. Nice. Wow. Uh, nice. And, and it, uh, I won my division. Uh, I won that year. I've won my division twice. Um, and then last year was a little bit of a down year for me. Oh, so this is my, this is my fourth year then. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, so we've got a, uh, expert here with someone, at least someone has a history of success with Scott Fishbowl. So how do you feel about your team? So you went really heavy running backs early on. I did. But you, you can go to fantasyinsiders.com slash scott-fish-bowl, and you can look at Tim's team, our teams. It's really interesting. And the great thing about this, and for those that are signing up for Fantasy Joe's Bowl 1, they'll, they'll see this, that it's such a balanced scoring system. It is. And there are so many different ways you can approach it. You can right. go running back heavy. You can go tight end heavy. You can go, Q, you know, make sure you get elite QBs or wait on QBs and load up in other positions. There's so much you can do so many ways to approach it. That's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. I, I will say um, not to get into roster details, but I do love my roster. I think it worked out just the way I wanted it. I was picking in the seventh spot. So I was lucky Alvin Kamara fell to me uh, going in the second round. And this is off the top of my head. I got Melvin Gordon and probably one of the surprise guys I, I, I got was Tom Brady, which is really underrated in this format because he doesn't throw interceptions very often. So yep. he will have the high touchdown total, but also the low interceptions. Uh, I like my team a lot. And you'll actually notice I have four quarterbacks, which, which I did on purpose. And that's because in the SFB, uh, there's always a quarterback injury that happens and people decide to blow their, their fab budget on a quarterback. So, because there's not that many floating around. So in this case, I have four pretty solid quarterbacks. Green and Blake Bortles is one of them, but he was a little <laughs> bit more. He, uh, during the last six weeks, he, I believe he was a quarterback one in fantasy football last year once they took the, took the reins off him a little bit and they let him run a little bit more so that we could see more of that this season. 
but I, I don't have to blow my fab budget on quarterback if that happens. So SFB is a super flex league, just so everyone knows that part of it too. I'm not crazy just drafting for quarterbacks. <laughs> it's a super flex league. So that that's why it makes a little bit more sense for me to have four decent guys that I can rotate as needed. Yeah, I like it because you can pretty much start Tom Brady and solidify him almost every week. And then you can rotate Mahomes, Blake Bortles, and Eli Manning. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a nice way to approach it. I like it. Yeah, Pat Mahomes has that that Konami code too everyone likes. Uh, Tim Torch says, Blake Bortles, quarterback one overall next year. <laughs> I would lo- actually would love if that just happened for like for no real apparent reason. Maybe like a slight coaching change in what they're doing with him, and all of a sudden Blake Bortles quarterback one and just watch the fantasy world implode. Turns out Dante Moncrief really is an elite wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. He has like eighteen hundred yards and sixteen <laughs> touchdowns. That would be great. Trey, what what were you gonna throw out there, man? Nothing. I just I, I all I said was Carolina Reaper. That's a milk take is stud. Once again, if, if you weren't in Scott Fishbowl, there's, there are thousands of people that didn't make it. But make it next year. Sign up for Fantasy Joe's Bowl 1 and win your way in. You're basically in Scott Fishbowl. And my draft is still going on. Me too. My, dra- my draft is still happening. Like we're, I, I've only made 19 picks. Oh, same Z's. So, I just took Tyler yeah. Croft in the 19th round. Ooh. I took Cole Beasley in the 19th round. I was pretty stoked about that. Oh, you're talking about 81 stings? Beasles. Right after I took Keelan Cole in the 18th, baby. There you go. Some sleepers. So oh, it's bad, man. It's ugly at that range. It's like I look and look on the board. I'm like, oh, do I really have to make this pick? I love my picks down there. I had John Brown. I loved it. No, nice. Yeah, he went. He just went. I was like, oh, that's probably a good pick. Yeah, I like picking that late too because maybe it's the dynasty mindset. But it's like you're like like you know, I picked Geronimo Allison with my. 18th uh, pick and I was like drama Allison, in the 18th round yeah baby he's gonna break out it's gonna be awesome and I know there's like you know a very small chance of that but I ended up taking him way earlier I liked Geronimo Allison like as far as his potential oh I did too but I mean I have to admit that I mean what are the odds of him really you know breaking out and being like a you know wide receiver three even you know I think he's gonna have some big games but definitely a better best ball guy because I think of a couple of big games but I don't know if he's gonna be consistent this year Let's get into it, guys. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns because the Cleveland Browns, they're one of our teams that we're excited to see this year. We talked about offenses we're excited to see, but specifically the next several shows, we're going to talk about teams we just can't wait to see in 2018, particularly from a fantasy perspective, because this is such an interesting team. There are so many intriguing dynasty assets on the Cleveland Browns. And our guest, Tim Torch, and Tim, we haven't even talked about that, uh, I wanted to talk about where you're writing because you are <laughs> writing for USA Today's at Browns Wire on Twitter. Yeah, so I everyone knows me as I'm, I feel like I'm always all over the place, uh, and I finally have have found a home. I think so. I still do the UTH Dynasty podcast. Uh, I co-host that with Chad Parsons. I'm on every other week, uh, and I do the Browns Wire stuff. And I'm going to be focused just on fantasy football for the Browns Wire. So I'm, I'm doing an outlook series right now that reviews each position and kind of what to expect from them throughout the 2018 season. And I'll kind of do recaps or, or outlines as the season's going on. But recently, I actually just joined the team over at FF Statistics. And if you haven't checked out that site, it is next level amazing. I'm not the biggest data person, 
but this site is so easy to use. It has a start sit tool, it has rookie information, uh, historical ADP. So there's a lot of information to pull from it. So there's a lot, a lot of great guys. So Addison uh, created the site. I know Peter, Peter Howard's there. There's just such, from Dynasty Crossroads, there's such a great group that we're forming there right now. And that's where I'm actually going to keep my regular fantasy content this season. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just became a member the other day because I looked at it, but I hadn't really dug into it. Oh, good luck. So <laughs> unbelievable. Just like, okay, I want to know how many QB1 seasons that Todd Haley has produced. And you can, right. you can easily pull that up. There's just like unbelievable stuff like that. It's, it's a great tool. And if you aren't familiar with it, it's awesome. And Tim, I'm really excited you're going to be there. It's, that's a great home for you. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. So it's it's just starting up. It's getting fired up, which I love kind of that grassroots side of things that you can really get a little bit more engagement uh, from the community. Uh, there there are a great group of writers right now. Uh, and we're we're just piecing things together. And I think that's that's just really cool for people to to think about is that it's not one of these sites that has a dozen writers and everything for it already it's something that they're building from the ground up uh just if i could give a quick shout out matt williams matt matt wi77 iams john ho peter howard michael zingone i apologize if i mispronounced your last name dynasty underscore john dynasty guru ff and myself are all the content team right now so so there's a lot of great things, YouTube videos, the the tools they have there. It's it's going to be fun. I'm not a data-driven person. I haven't used a lot of statistics, and that's actually been a big problem in a lot of my analysis. So hopefully this tool will help me get get my together, and we can move forward. Nice. That's great, Tim. And we'll, uh, as any, most of the stuff we refer to on our podcast, we put in the show notes. So we will put the link to ffstatistics.com for our listeners great. that haven't checked it out. So, All right. Well, let's get into the Cleveland Browns and the way I've kind of broken up how I went the how I'd like to see the conversation go is just to kind of go position by position and analyze guys in those positions. And of course the sexy position is running backs. We're talking about fantasy football, dynasty football. So let's talk about a guy that a lot of us here love Nick Chubb. Mm. So is he going to make an impact in 2018, Tim? Yes, I, I think so. It's going to be uh, from uh, the training pants or, training camp reports I've already heard. Uh, I, I actually get up close with uh, Jeff Redison, uh, who's very plugged in with the Cleveland Browns and a couple other beef reports with the Browns wire have, have talked about how amazing Nick Chubb has already looked in camp. He's looking better than, uh, better than Duke Johnson, definitely better than Carlos Hyde. So while I think the season may start slow, uh, it may actually be a good opportunity to redraft leagues to to acquire him during the season if he's dropped it i'm sure someone will take him as one of their later picks but i still love him to contribute later in the season could actually be a really nice dynasty buy so he's usually going 102 to 104 in your rookie drafts that could be a pickup early if duke johnson and carlos hyde are seeing that work pretty quick so trey you're a big nick chubb fan anything you you want to add i mean are you making any last second pushes in your league to go out and try to acquire him? Are you hoping there's some buzz about Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson? So maybe his value just drops a little bit so you can grab him. Yeah. And honestly, I I've said that I think a couple times and I don't know if it's actually been officially on the pod. Um, I know I posted in the fantasy addict support group a couple weeks ago that I felt like Nick Chubb was going to be one of the strongest. I feel like that in 12 months, 
Nick Trubb is going to be. I've been saying a top 12 dynasty running back. I think it could be top eight. I mean, his talent is unbelievable. People forget that before he was injured, that he was being talked about not just up there with the Todd Gurley's and Saquon Barkley's, but ahead of. Um, and and of, and, yeah. and the 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 no the numbers that he put up at the combine and what he showed on film the last this last year at Georgia, I think supports that he's getting back there. He may not be back to a hundred percent of that, but even at ninety percent of that, that's still better than than guys that are in the top. That's that's still better than Melvin Gordon. Could be even better than a guy like Zeke Elliott. And I love what you guys know this. I love what Cleveland's doing on offense. I love the way they're building that team. And and I think that he's a guy, yes, I have. As a matter of fact, I almost had a trade done for him the other day, and it kind of fell through um, because the guy started asking for more than I really wanted to pay with other players involved. Um, but I'm the same way. And, I, Tim, I hope, honestly, that some of the reports coming out of camp are not as glowing about Chubb. I, I was really hoping that the team would be pretty committed early on to Carlos Hyde um, and give Chubb a little bit of a chance to just get his feet wet. And I still do. I mean, you know, I've owned, I own Carlos Hyde in a couple of leagues. And so one of my, it was my plan this year to do a lot of buying of Nick Chubb during the season in dynasty leagues. Um, but unfortunately it sounds like that may be, may be challenging. So I'm excited to hear that. I think one other just general piece of information people really should be considering is that the just try to think in your in your mind's eye the last time a day two running back that's his size with his type of production profile didn't hit to some extent. I mean, you could even look at Le'Veon Bell. I, I think that's a, a really solid comp, and especially with the offensive coordinator that's going there. That that comp makes a ton of sense to me as far as big running backs that have a solid pass pass catching history uh, that can that can move really um, make a leap from year one to year two. That that makes a lot of sense to me, and it it's just such a solid buy. And I think there there probably will be a little bit of buzz during camp. I have no doubt in my mind. But I think when we're in season, when you start to really see that difference between the the dynasty contenders and the guys that are building teams, that's when you're going to see your opportunity to buy because he's not going to be the one putting up those big games to start the season. Uh, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson are probably going to start out the year. So it's going to create kind of that nice depreciation of his value. And you're going to be able to swoop in because you're going to re-listen to this podcast and remember Uncle Timmy and the average Joe's crew all came to you and said, bye, Nick Chubb. Yeah, there's nothing average about the fancy Joe's, Tim. That's, Come on. That's right. Hey, Tim, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> while we're talking about the Browns running backs, because I, this has been my perspective, um, as we head into training camp, it's inevitable that running back injuries are going to hit. If you own, If you own Duke Johnson in a dynasty league, do you feel like he's a sell having signed this contract recently with Jarvis Landry coming? Like, I like the talent. I know what he did last year was, was solid, but it's impossible for him to repeat what he did last year with Landry coming in in the slot and Njoku expected to take a step. And the, I think that the likelihood with uh, Hyde and Chubb there, I, I mean, I just, I know there's still the potential for Hyde to get traded. I don't think it's going to happen, but, do you, do you think Duke Johnson is a sell 
I don't. And and the reason I'm going to say that is so part of my argument is that that Nick Chubb is going to finish the year strong and that there's going to be uh, there's going to be plenty of plenty of opportunity in front of him that's being taken by Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. I actually think Duke Johnson starts the year as a lead running back for the Cleveland Browns. I think that's why he got the big deal and that he is going to start this season. He's going to have Carlos Hyde as his backup and that Nick Chubb's going to be able to sit a little while and get really his legs underneath him, and that you may actually see a really nice opportunity to sell on Duke Johnson at the beginning of the season when he's – I don't want to say bell cow. I don't think he's the guy that can really sustain 25 touches every game for an entire season. No one can. But when we're looking at Duke Johnson, I could see lead back, so 15-ish touches a game, especially starting out the season. People will want to buy that. That's really interesting. I like that. Well, what do you think about, yeah, what do you think about that, Will? You, you, at least last year, were a big Duke Johnson fan, and I think you've, uh, your love of Duke Johnson's kind of waned over the past 12 months, perhaps. But Duke Johnson. What are you talking about, the, the, an RB1 from 2017? PPR? Duke Johnson? What? Uh, it, definitely, it definitely has a little more, I would say more of my belief in the Cleveland Browns has waned over the past year when it comes to fantasy assets. And I think they have every piece in place to turn it around. Uh, and I might, I, you know, it, as much as it saddens me, I'm going to a more conservative approach with them. I do own, uh, I do own Nick Chubb in a couple of dynasty leagues. So I do think his talent and, and the people I've talked to who are a lot smarter than I am, who do a lot more evaluation, love Nick Chubb. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not above that, you know, the, but in general, it's hard for me to invest in Cleveland Browns. But I did look up Duke Johnson's contract really quick because even if you think two years down the line from what he's had, he, it's not like he signed this massive guaranteed deal where he's going to be stuck on that roster for years to come. I mean, yeah, he's going to be he, – they paid him a lot for this year. Uh, and then after that, it's not that big of a cap hit if they decide to cut him. And it's not that big of a cap hit anyway if he doesn't get used that much. He just million in cap. A super nice backup. You know, it's not like – that's that. it's not that crazy that uh, Nick Chubb takes over and they're like, well, we're already paying Duke Johnson this amount of money, so we got to use him. It wouldn't happen because it's not that much overall. So that, that at least makes me happier about Nick Chubb. I just worry. And, and Tim, I, I know you're covering them so much, but I just worry so much about the Browns. They it just, you know, how, how can you trust a franchise that's just done you wrong over and over and over and over again? And there are going to be fantasy assets there, but are there going to be trustworthy ones? I just don't, I'm not there yet. Uh, I actually completely agree with part of what you said that, I don't really think that you're going – I think this is going to be a team where you're not going to know where to look for for that saving piece. Everyone wants to say Josh Gordon is going to be the guy with 120 to 40 targets this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Jarvis Landry comes in. He averages 150 targets a year. That's definitely not going to happen. Duke Johnson had a crazy run and was a running back one last year in PPR – that that's again not going to happen. I think there's just so many fantasy relevant pieces across the board. So whether it's Josh Gordon, David Joku, Jarvis Landry, Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb. I mean, I, I'm just keep naming names, and these are all great pieces for anyone to have around them. I all think I think we all need to look at the focal point of these things, and it's Tyrod Taylor. Ooh, dun dun dun. dun. So the. So, but with <laughs> I, I did that on purpose. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, because I mean, he's he definitely set up for success. But the thing is, like, uh, also my other opinion on the Browns is I just don't see that their values at any point in time at this moment. You're not getting deals on Browns players. Like, you're not buying. You don't think you don't think in Superflex you get a deal on Tyrod Taylor? I think there's a lot of them that are. I think that there there's some significant values in Dynasty speaking. Right, and you don't think Carlos Hyde's going super cheap right now? I think I think that may be a, another underlying way to look at it. Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde has a running back one season already under his belt, and so what if we're actually looking at him as a guy that's going to get traded at the end of the year? I can actually pay maybe a third round rookie pick or maybe a guy that's a bottom of the roster plus that that rookie pick, and acquire Carlos Hyde now. He's going to sit on my roster as a running back five, six, something like that throughout the season. And then when he gets traded, released, whatever happens to him next year, instant appreciation of value. He goes to a situation. We just talked about how maybe he gets traded. What if LaShawn McCoy gets suspended and, and he goes to the Buffalo Bills and automatically he's the lead running back in, in Buffalo? That, that's automatic gain. There, I just feel like with a guy with Carlos Hyde, there's there's nothing but upside to try to acquire him right now. And and same for another guy, not with the Browns, but DeMarco Murray. If he's sitting out there on your waiver wire right now, it's dumb to let him sit there. Don't do it. Pick him up as a free agent waiver wire ad because you know that son of a gun can unretire at any time and join a team and be just as productive as he ever was. He, he's a good pass catcher. You know he's probably keeping his body pretty physically fit. And he can jump right in right as soon as there's an injury. Uh, again, Buffalo may be a situation. Jerk McKinnon hasn't actually been the the product of good health, so maybe he ends up in a Shanahan offense, which everyone would would lose their ever loving minds if that happened. So buy these cheap guys now because it, it's just worth it for those lotto tickets. Carlos Hyde's a perfect one. I can get on board with Hyde for sure. I, I, but uh, you know they're the team with the most. With the most players in the top 100 dynasty ADP, like that just it blows my mind that a team that's won one game over the last two years and hasn't really done much. Even like Duke Johnson last year being an RB one in PPR, how many people were like, "Yeah, I'm starting Duke Johnson in this week." Like, sure. if you think about the week over week, because I've owned him in places, and it just was like you never were that stoked about it though. Like, unless the rest of your team was stacked uh, in in general. But anyway, yeah. But I think I think I love that Carlos Hyde take. Yeah, and at first time I was like, I don't know, I don't know if anyone with Carlos Hyde would take a third, but I've been in too many leagues where, you know, you're just amazed what offers that you know you get or you give to someone else and they accept. And you're right. I mean, if there are reports that come out that Duke Johnson is going to be our starting running back, all of a sudden you're right. You, maybe you can get Carlos Hyde for a third round pick. So I, I, I like that take a lot. Uh, well, but- yeah, tra- we 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 didn't like Lashawn McCoy. Trade Lashawn McCoy for Carlos Hyde. Plus a plus a nice piece or or Carlos Hyde yep. and Calvin Benjamin something like that 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 you feel is a good investment for the year. I it makes just too much sense. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's get back to something you said. The the guy we're, we're kind of jumping around here, but I love this conversation we're having. The guy that we need to focus on, Tyra Taylor. And my question about Tyra Taylor is, does he does his style fit a Todd Haley offense? Because Todd Haley's never <laughs> had a QB quite like Tyra Taylor, right? Right. So actually the most recent article that I wrote for the Browns wire was the quarterback outlook. And the number one question that I personally have is how, uh, 
how Todd Haley deals with quarterbacks, actually both like Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. Because one thing I actually said before that, that people laughed at me, they're, they're the same stature. And maybe no one realized this at the time. Physically, Baker Mayfield and Tyron Taylor, same height, same speed. So what's nice is you can actually set up your offense, throwing windows and, and just overall setup of the offense. You can set it up very similarly, which is nice. But the problem is that Todd Haley's leading rusher in attempts since he's been either an offensive coordinator, head coach, whatever it might be, has been Matt Castle with 41 rushing attempts which is crazy to think about because you have Tyrod Taylor in his last three seasons has been 90 plus rushing attempts each of those seasons. And then Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, he had a hundred plus rushing attempts the last two seasons. So that, that could completely change really the outlook that we have on Todd Haley's offense and and what he might be doing with these guys this season. I'm not, I don't think he's dumb. I, I, I think he understands what he has with, with these two people, it's just, I mean, how, how mobile is Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Castle, and uh, Kurt Warner back when he was with the Arizona Cardinals? Not really their, their upside. So Trey, Trey Barrett is not only the vice president of the Sammy Watkins fan club, he's the, actually the president of the Tyrod Taylor fan club. So Trey, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think, again, and I've said this before because people all the time are like, oh, you, you love – Tyrod. And again, I'll say from the Tyrod, I don't love as an NFL quarterback, but I capital love him as a fantasy quarterback. And right now, Tim, you nailed it. I mean, if I'm doing a startup or any super flex leagues that I'm doing as redraft right now, I'm taking Tyrod Taylor as my third quarterback in a late round all day long because Tyrod Taylor has been a quarterback one in a couple different seasons in the NFL. And it's absolutely ridiculous to me that he's going into a year where by far, I mean, it's not close. Not only does he have the best offensive line that he's ever played behind, but he's got by far and away the best offensive skill weapons he's ever had. And you could argue maybe the best offensive coordinator that he's ever had. So there, I mean, the, the, the sky is pointing. I believe that Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns for the year. I don't believe that Baker Mayfield, because I think that Tyrod Taylor is exactly what this offense and Todd Haley needs. Todd Haley is not a, you know, round peg in a square hole kind of guy. He's going to call plays and he's going to design and and create an offense that fits his play players. And you said it, everything he has at the quarterback position is very similar And so I think that the opportunity, Tyrod Taylor, if you you may not love him, he can, he does two things very well. He takes care of the football, Mm -hmm. he improvises, and he throws the deep ball well. Well, Josh Gordon, David Njoku are both players that at the position can make things happen down the field with advantages, mismatches for defenders. Jarvis Landry is a very reliable target. He knows how to get open. I know he's not going to be the same target monster. Again, I don't love him for for fantasy as much as I would have if he stayed in Miami and continued to rack in those targets. But for a weapon for Jar- for a weapon for Tyra Taylor, I love Jarvis Landry. So I, I really am excited. I think that that Tyrod Taylor is the starter for the Cleveland Browns for this entire season. And I think that he's going to be able to put up numbers 
obviously he's not going to, you know, rival Aaron Rodgers for passing yards and passing touchdowns. But in four-point passing leagues with his rushing upside, I think that they're uh, – I mean, quarterback one for Tyrod Taylor this year, top 12 quarterback, is not an unreasonable expectation at all. Mm-hmm. If he starts all 16 games, I expect him to be a, a top 12 quarterback. So I'm excited. I think I own him on a couple teams. And, you know, I've been hearing some whispers that, oh, you got to hold on to him in super flex leagues because he's going to be a starter somewhere else next year. And my thought is, yes, that too. But, man, I want him this year. Yeah, you do. Not, not just as a spot starter, but as a guy that I'm probably going to want in my starting lineup for many weeks. So I, I'm excited. I, you know, I, I, I am really – now the guy could fall flat on his face and Baker Mayfield could be starting by week five. But I think with the weapons he has, I'm, I'm very excited to see um, this offense. I can't – it's by far and away – Week one of the NFL season, I'm going to be somewhere whenever the Browns are playing some sports bar that's showing their game, and I'm going to watch the the beginning to end. I can't I can't wait. I I want to give one just to build off that a little bit. Um, I I know it's not that this section of the show yet, but I will say one of my bold hot takes is that Tyrod Taylor is a top five quarterback for 2018. Whoa 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 whoa! Way too soon. Way too soon. We'll get into that. I played Pittsburgh the first game. I I got more. Tim, I got more. Tim, Don't worry. We're good. Tim, you are welcome on this show <laughs> any anytime, my friend. <laughs> got you back, bro. Uh, that's a great t- okay. So Will, come on, can you can you come in and just like let's calm everybody down? I mean, now we're talking about, you know, Tyrod Taylor and the MVP conversation all of a sudden. So Will, let's bring some uh, a different perspective. Or do you yeah. agree? Do you think Tyrod no, Taylor is not at all? I, I I like Tyrod Taylor. I think your points are fine. I think he could be a starter this season. That doesn't that. I mean, like where he's going in his value. Hop on board the value train. I can be there. I, I that. But to to convince me that Tyrod Taylor is good and is going to be a boon for your off like your your team and what he's going to be able to put up. It's it's a much much larger uh, argument. One. There's just so many changes. I'm not buying into well, – again, it goes back to this. I feel like you're grumpy about what we said. I, I, no, I, I, <laughs> see, I love the hype trade. I love what it is, except let's just take it back like a couple notches. Let's see what the <laughs> Cleveland Browns are first. Let's see that they actually have taken any of the talent that they've drafted and recruited and can do anything with it because they've proven that whatsoever yet. And I want to see it. I want to see the changes because they didn't change your head coach. I know they changed the offensive coordinator, but they, they've changed – like there's that, that, that whole franchise is just a big – headache and Tyrod so Aaron Rodgers threw more touchdowns than Tyrod Taylor last year I think that's an amazing stat because he played Aaron Rodgers played seven games you know and I, I know he had he had rushing yards and touchdowns and he has that, that you know that upside and I'm not against that whatsoever but until we see that Tyrod Taylor is actually any good outside of the, what the Bills propped him up to be and it could be the Bills propped him up to be this I can't that I don't think that should be discounted that all of a sudden he's moving to a new system it is, is going to be different and going to be better because of it. People fall out of this all the time. And they also use their number one pick on a quarterback. If the Browns are bad, which I expect them to still be because they're way too fast for a turnaround, I expect them to, for them to be calling for Baker Mayfield. Why would you not as fans? Add him to that list of quarterbacks that have started for him. And let's see what he has. Let's see him air it out. Let's see some fun. Let's bring, let's bring some fans in the stands. Let's put some butts in seats. Let's see some entertainment. They're not going to be interested in 14 to 15 games and grinding it out as the Browns this year would be my guess when they're not good. Well, one thing that Tyra Taylor has going for him is that he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. If you look at his career, he's only thrown 18, 
compared to Deshaun Kaiser, who threw 22 interceptions last year. So, <laughs> so I think they're going to like him, the, the fact that he, he's a winner. I mean, he, he, he wins and, and he's going to protect the ball. And, and he, he, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting because I think you're right that, that Tyrod Taylor, if he wins, clearly he's going to stay in that role. But if, if they are having another bad year, you've got to put Baker Mayfield in, right? Um, the one thing that Baker Mayfield can do, I think he can do everything that, that Tyra Taylor can do, and the guy can – like he has an arm. If you look at Tyra Taylor's velocity, you know, that's one of the, the famous knocks on him. You know, you want to avoid quarterbacks that throw under 52 miles per hour. And, and I know Deshaun Watson kind of had something to say about that last year. But Tyra Taylor, 50 miles per hour at the Combine, the only guy 60 or above, you had Josh Allen, 62, and you had – Baker Mayfield, 60 miles per hour. So, I, I, I mean, Baker Mayfield's exciting. Can we talk about Baker Mayfield? And we've talked too much about Tyrod Taylor because whether he plays a lot or a little this year, he checks off all the boxes, guys. I, I mean, a winner in college, you look at that touchdown-interception ratio in college, it was fantastic, 131 touchdowns to 30 interceptions. Completion percentage, 68.5%. Um, he, he has all the intangibles. He's, he's just like, uh, you got to love his attitude. Don't we love Baker Mayfield? What, what do we think about him? Even, if, even beyond, like, say, let's say we're right about 2018. He doesn't play that much. What about beyond this year? He's got to be the starter, Tim, 2019 in Cleveland, right? Oh, you, I, I think so. It's really interesting. So Tyrod Taylor, how, you have to ask yourself what the Browns are going to do if they actually have a decent season. And are they just going to let a starting caliber quarterback walk away and not get anything in return for that for him. That, that's just an interesting big picture thing I've been thinking about. Just how do they handle that whole thing? Do they sign sign and trade him? How does that exactly work? But yeah, Baker Mayfield, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he actually rated their top overall quarterback in 2018, and I believe the last two seasons uh, ranked their had their top overall score in PFF uh, rating history. So he he definitely is in rarefied air. Uh, it's actually interesting right now. He's not only working this offseason with Jarvis Landry, but he's working with Odell Beckham Jr. right now, which and David Joku, which is just really interesting that that Baker Mayfield is working with those three guys, and one of them just happens to not be on the Cleveland Browns, who have a hundred million dollars in cap room going into next offseason when Odell Beckham Jr. happens to be a free agent. So. The only wide receiver from that draft class that hasn't been paid after after right. uh, Cooks got extended. Exactly. So it's just it's interesting to think about. We could be looking. This is crazy to say, but Odell Beckham Jr. may be going to the Cleveland Browns for the 2019 season. Wow, that's exciting! Woo, Cleveland! Yes. And Josh Gordon can walk away, and he can go <laughs> to Oakland and toke it up with Mark Davis Bryant. Oh. Oh man. Okay. So where, where do we go from here? But what about Baker? Do we want to talk about Baker Mayfield? Like in terms of, you know, what will his dynasty he, value he's be? He's the guy. He's yeah. the guy. I I've taken him. So super flex leagues, people may laugh at me. I've taken Baker Mayfield at one Oh two. I think he is literally the best quarterback pros, prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. If it wasn't Tyrod, if they weren't just trying to give him a little bit of time to, to learn how to play from under center and, and to develop and I don't think mature because I do think Baker Mayfield is a mature kid. He, he did have a lot of, well, a few issues when he was in college, the crotch grab and then the DUI stuff. But 
everything I have read is that he was a great teammate. I absolutely love the interview he did with Colin Cowherd where he destroyed him. That was hilarious. Um, I, I think Baker Mayfield is a QB1 in Dynasty in the making. And I had no problem taking him at 102. Uh, I haven't done a startup where I've had to try to take him. So that may be a little bit questionable in terms of how I would work that out. But he, he's a guy that I will actively try to acquire. One thing I want to ask, have we been kind of blinded by Lamar Jackson and like the Konami code and what he could, he could be as a fantasy asset when we're talking about the quarterbacks of this class? Because it seems like we kind of liked Baker Mayfield going into this process, and now Lamar Jackson's kind of, kind of leaped ahead of the field. And I know some people like Josh Rosen more, uh, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like we were getting excited about Baker Mayfield, and we're like, oh, but what about Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? He's exciting. We got to go for him. He's he's definitely the number one QB to target in this class. What what, what do you think about that, Trey? Do you, do, you, do you think we're all of a sudden we've forgotten about how much potential Baker Mayfield has? No, I, I think that really Lamar Jackson. The thing the thing about Lamar Jackson is I think that he has the potential highest ceiling. You know, and and I think that's why so many. So I think in a lot of one quarterback leagues, I can see you know going after Lamar Jackson. If you're in a one quarterback league and you're in a rookie draft, you know, I, I can see taking a chance on a Lamar Jackson because I think that he's got incredible upside. I mean, there's the potential that he's not only a dynamic athlete with his legs, but he, that he may be the best, you know, pure pocket passer in the, in the class. And, and that's not taking anything away. And, and Tim, you know, we on this show have proposed that in Superflex rookie drafts that Baker Mayfield should be the 102. I know, I know there's been some drafts, where we've, we've been tempted by other guys. But I, I think by and large, we've, we've all three been pretty adamant that if you're in a super flex draft, you know, that basically the 102 and 103 ought to be Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, whatever order you want to put them in. Um, and, but I do think, I think Lamar Jackson's very intriguing. The only thing that concerns me about Lamar Jackson is that, it, you know, essentially 31 NFL teams passed on him. And, you know, that doesn't mean, that he's not going to be good. Uh, that doesn't mean that he, he doesn't have high upside, but um, I still favor Baker Mayfield. I like Lamar Jackson. He's a guy that I'd love to have on my dynasty rosters, um, but I, I just feel a little bit better about a couple of the other rookie quarterbacks moving forward, especially in super flex leagues. I just feel that the, the, their floor is a little bit safer. Lamar Jackson's velocity, 49 miles per hour. Oh, red flag, red flag. It's actually but... him just running. <laughs> <laughs> Will, what do, you, what do you think about Baker Mayfield? Do you want to add anything? I'm, I'm pretty high on Baker Mayfield. I can't wait until a new exciting uh, head coach comes into the Cleveland Browns next year and takes over the team and really changes turns it around. I was looking it up. I think it'll be Eric, uh, Eric Benimi. Benimi. He's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Scott, so. I think it'll be Scott LaFleur, the guy that just went to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Or with the Titans. Uh, or Titan, Titans, yes. He was with the Rams, and he was with the Redskins with Jay Gruden. And he was also with Kyle Shanahan at one point in time, too. That's just been a great track record. I think if they want an offensive mind, and it, I guess there, there was also a report, I could be wrong, but um, – uh, McVeigh actually sat next to Baker Mayfield on a flight and absolutely loved Baker Mayfield. 
So I, I think there may be a situation where I am sure if McVeigh liked him, then there's a strong possibility that LaFleur likes him. So I, that makes a lot of sense to me that that Mayfield connection there to the, to the Rams, down Titans, and to the Browns. I'm ordering my Browns jersey tonight. (laughs) LaFleur is a much more reasonable choice. I just looked up the next chiefs offensive coordinator that was going to get a head coaching job. (laughs) (laughs) Only where that came from. I almost did the Eagles, but I don't have, you know, all sorts of time. LaFleur is yeah, LaFleur's exciting. We need to call this the Cleveland Browns like hype episode because we're just like <laughs> so excited about all these guys and hyping them all up. There are just too many Cleveland Browns to talk about in one episode. So we're making this a two-parter. Join us again this Thursday for part two of our conversation with Tim Torch and the Cleveland Browns. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fancy Joes. Contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at FFJoes on Twitter. Your feedback is welcome. Let us know how we're doing and what you want from us. We come at you weekly, very early Mondays with new episodes, and this week, Thursday with part two of this episode. But be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review, but preferably only if it's a positive one. You can find us all on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at FantasyJoe underscore Will. And I'm at Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes.